0: Good evening, gentle folk, and welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, a podcast where three women of stunning intellect and appearance bitch to high hell about movies they love. Or rather, uh, a comedy podcast about horror movies. This episode is actually devoted to a movie about a character devoted to a shared devotion of all three stunning hosts. (laughs) La, Enjoy your everyone (laughs) it's ballet Uh, but no no rain it back in rain it back in because we're talking Black Swan yes Aronofsky's terrifying love slash single white female letter to the ballet world (laughs) so don't worry there's a sex scene between Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis you're still gonna enjoy this yep Um, also I'm told the ballet world does not love this movie so hey we do not let's go I am Mary. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Megan. So our icebreaker today, just to like, you know, get the juices flowing, get the ball rolling. Um, (laughs) What was, ladies, the first dance or dance move, like within a larger like choreographed dance? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What was the first like move that made you go, damn?
1: So I want to have a really enlightened answer, like the contemporary dance scene that Audrey Hepburn does in Funny Face, and while that's beautiful, that's a lie. It was the music video at the end of Free Willy with Michael Jackson. Oh, damn! Yeah, He did, that's when he like moonwalked like into this cool little spin, and I tried to do it because ah. I was enthralled with this video and I played it on repeat because like it was whales and Michael Jackson. What more did I want as a child? And I fell oh, okay. into this like soft pine chest that we had in the living room. Oh,
2: no. Two front
1: teeth first, and I oh, came God. up and looked at my mom smiling like, "Did I do it?" And my teeth are still in the chest, and I just have like blood streaming <laughs> down my face. So uh, I did not. I mean, I nailed it, but I also nailed. But stuff. you like nailed from <laughs> the chest, and not yeah, the I did. And we still—it <laughs> was the chest that like my birth parents gave me from Turkey with all my baby stuff in it. And so my parents still have it, and like, there's my perfect teeth marks in the top
2: I thought you were gonna say your teeth were still in it
1: <laughs> <laughs> nope the teeth aren't still in it just the teeth marks but then picture day was like two days later so I'm like she's in with no front teeth
0: I definitely have that picture where I'm missing two front teeth and my story is not nearly as epic it's just like <laughs> kid stuff that is amazing uh Mary Kay
2: um my first one that I saw that I was like damn I'm gonna do that is um, the Whenever, Wherever Shakira music video. Oh, my and God, Where she was yes. just doing, like, some really basic belly undulations, and, like, <laughs> and she's, like, rising out of water like, like a fucking eagle. It was stupid. Like, watching yes. it now is, like, not very Horses impressive. Horses are running in the background. Yeah, but it was awesome at the time. But mostly because of her dancing, right? Like, she is a good dancer. Yes, she's a beautiful cat. dancer. See, yes, all of her choreography, I think all of it, almost all of it, is done by Bosenka, who's much better than she is, performed, like,
0: you know, Ooh, that's nice. also but. incredible. So, I, I kind of have, I, I, they're two, they're just so different. The one is that um, when we moved to Japan, uh, I was five, my brother was two, my sister was a newborn, and we all caught chickenpox. Oh, no. In the uh, In the BOQ, like, we're in the, like, military, basically, hotel, waiting for our house to open up. So, my mom is in a hotel room. With a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn that all have chicken pox. God. She, sagely, brought home, or asked my dad to bring home, maybe, um, a VHS, Mm -hmm. I think, maybe even a beta, of Dame Margot Fontaine in Romeo and Juliet. And I was just fucked for the rest of my life. I'm still fucked. Like, I just, I still, I still, like, see her, if I hear any of that music. Stunning. And then... Let's say maybe 10 years later. Do you remember when NSYNC crybabied on the
2: stage
0: during Dirty Pop?
2: I did the crybaby the other day. Just cause, like at the skating rink, remember? I was going to
0: say, I learned it at the skating rink.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's where you learn all the ho-ish stuff is at the skating rink.
0: Um, I won a Macarena contest at the skating rink when I was nine. you did. It was so sensual with the hips and everything. That's probably why they gave me the prize, so I would stop doing it. It was too much <laughs> hip for a nine-year-old. Stop, Mary. Stop. Uh, so, now you have seen the inner worlds of us. Congrat- <laughs> Congratulations. So stupid. <laughs> so, let's just dive all the way the fuck in. Yeah, do it all so, the way the fuck in. Um, so, directors, we've talked about this on the show before, often have a, a core story. Like, it's the one they tell over and over. Tim Burton, great example. It's mm-hmm. not just that he uses the same people, but he's actually telling the same story of this um, beautiful soul who is ostracized mm-hmm. right. and contributes but never assimilates, and because they can't assimilate, must die, basically. Um, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, a lot of directors have this kind of thing. They keep coming back to you. And Aronofsky keeps coming back to the artist who chases perfection so hard they destroy every other thing in their life except the artistic perfection. I don't feel like it's a terribly hot take, but, like...
2: What um, other movies are you looking at besides Black Swan when you say that? Mother. Okay.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. um, The Wrestler. I don't
1: know that one. Which was supposed to be, that story in Black Swan were supposed to be the same movie intertwined exactly. together. Exactly. And he was like, this is too much. So yeah. he made them separate
0: films. Yeah, she was supposed to fall in love with him. Yeah. And you know, so mm-hmm. lovely anecdote that really ties us together. I first saw The Wrestler at BAM in Brooklyn with my housemates, one of whom is a dancer. And at the end of The Wrestler, the lights came up and he started sobbing so it was, like, this, like, this, like vicious, full body, like, everything taken over experience mm-hmm. where he was just... That was the only thing his body could do with it at the end yeah. of The Wrestler was sob, because as a dancer, he was seeing a thing that he
2: got. I did that at the end of Mother, too. Like, I got to my car, shut the door, and just started crying, and I was like, what's going on? I feel like this is a misrepresentation of how I'm feeling. But, yeah.
0: It's a, this kind of release in the recognition. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, and um, also, like, I didn't make that... I didn't. Th- I didn't think that was his core narrative until you brought up like the wrestler, and then I. I don't know. Like the parts about being a woman stood out more to me in Mother and in Black Swan, and how mm-hmm. both of those characters are obsessed with uh, whatever they really want. It's not. It's not yeah. so much about the artistry. So, like that just happens to be what they're obsessed with, right? Right. Uh, but it's the obsession that is the the um, the driving force about his movies to me that i've seen like mm-hmm. requiem for a dream mother mm-hmm. and this one and i think those are all, the only three of his movies that i've seen
0: yeah i know that they leaned really hard for oscar season into the whole mickey Rourke redemption narrative honestly though who has to it it's it is it's incredibly powerful yeah and also we've been to a wrestling show together
2: we did we went to see <laughs> pro wrestling when mary was in town last time my cousin it. is a professional wrestler, and he was like, we're going to be in town. And I was like, obviously, uh, we're coming, <laughs> because
0: that sounds amazing.
2: <laughs> it was real weird and cool. Like, it was a lot more fun yeah. than I thought it was going to be. I know. Yeah.
0: yeah I, like, the deal was like, we're going to go. We're going to make the appearance. We're going to support. And then it was like. You had a blast. They we're going to keep saying Because each match was so much more exciting than the last, that it was like. Maybe we can stay for one more.
2: Yeah, we can keep (laughs) staying,
0: and then we just stayed forever because it was really fun.
2: It was really fun. (laughs) So about the obsession, like in this movie, uh, Nina's, Nina's like uh, her driving force is that she wants to be perfect on stage. Yeah, Um, and so does her mom which is
1: weird Ah. well it's because her mom never had the chance to be perfect right that's what she yells at one point you know you know you never left the core she never left the court of ballet so she never got her chance to shine so she's trying to live vicariously Mm -hmm. through nina and her whole relationship with nina is a big fuckwad yeah there's no other way to put that it's a fuckwad
2: action-packed with issues (laughs)
0: <laughs> action impact oh yeah fuck yes that's the kid we would have ended up with in a mental health setting where it's like everything looks fine on the surface of their home yeah. life and right. the more you get to know the kid the more you're like oh no wonder you ended up here okay yeah let's work on it yeah this idea of obsession mm-hmm. versus artistry mm-hmm. it sounds to me like a like a health yeah. versus sickness yeah. thing is that what you're um Mary Kay is the one who, who brought this up in our earlier discussion. Like, you mentioned Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. You mentioned Mother. Like, talk me through this one, because I
2: want to know. In which respect?
0: Obsession versus artistry. Oh,
2: okay. Well, I don't think they're mutually exclusive by any means. Like, uh, Oh, no. No, definitely yeah. not. I feel like in Black Swan specifically, um, she has a dream. I mean, I'm going to talk about the, about what she thinks her dream is. Is not really what it is. But she dreams that she's dancing the white swan. And it's the prologue of the ballet, right? Which is when the yeah. princess is kidnapped and turned into an animal. Yeah. And that's the part. And she's like, I was perfect when I was doing that. So she has like this. First of all, it's a dream. It's a surreal ideal that she's, her unconscious has created that like you can't do what you do in dreams. Like one time I ran so fast that I flew in a dream. <laughs> that's just not a thing that I'm going to be able to do.
1: I don't think you're trying hard enough in real
0: life. <laughs> the other night, I trapped Trump and Melania in a barn <laughs> while a bunch of people protested outside, and as soon as they were trapped, the Hunger Games theme started playing.
2: Yeah, that sounds like a scene from Mother, actually. So, you're still a <laughs> theme. not
1: trying hard enough.
2: <laughs> oh, but yeah, so, um, when she gets, like, that finished product in mind right is when she's like i've seen what it can look like and what it's supposed to look like and what toma is telling her it needs to look like and he's pointing out lily who's doing everything wrong she's not a good God. dancer she's just like having fun and nina is like i'm perfect like i'm technically proficient and um he's trying to get her to like loosen up which is like the whole that is not a thing that dance teachers that's tell you that's not ballet No. No. Which is probably why the... Not in ballet, Not in ballet.
1: In hip-hop, my teacher told me that. She's like, Megan, if you don't get the fuck out of fourth position and loosen your ass up, we're gonna have problems. No one's telling you that in ballet, though.
0: I do think that is a trope of ballet stories, though, right? That she's gotta feel it. That's always she. She has just gotta feel it somehow. I had this novel, you know, it's just like teen pulpy thing, but it was about, like, you know, dancers at, like, ABT or something, whatever. And that was a thing. It was like, I'm technically perfect. Mm -hmm. I don't feel the music the same way she does. Oh, no. I definitely feel like that's a that's center stage, right?
2: Yeah. Yes. Um, But, yeah, so although Toma is the one, like, and her mom, and, like, everyone is pushing her to do it, um, she's the one who's like, yeah, I got this. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell him that I finished it. I'm going to go in there tomorrow, and I'm going to tell him that I finished it because I just think that he should know. And make an educated decision based on that. Like I feel like she's a lot yeah. more like more deliberate than her personality gives her credit for. Because you have to have incredible mm-hmm. discipline and talent to be able to dance like at that level, but at a level yeah. much lower that than level. that even. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mary put on here that Aronofsky uh, says that the destruction is justified if you achieve perfection, right? I, I that that's a that's a message he's.
0: I, I interpret that he returns to, right? This yeah. movie ends, she may fucking, she may die, and we're not positive, but she may die. Yeah. But the last language we hear is that she was perfect. Yeah. The wrestler ends with a similar kind of, in a similar space, of like, at least if everything is destroyed, this is how it happens. In this, on these terms you set, right? This, this, Right keeps coming back and i I haven't seen Mother because of um I don't like horror movies um <laughs> she said on the podcast but uh, <laughs> but from what I understand from several conversations with you about it, Mary Kay is that it's it's kind of a similar like seems kind of set up that this is just necessary,
2: it's a similar thing
0: for the birth of the work, that kind of sacrifice,
2: yeah, and it seems like um. It's, he, he chooses characters or writes characters that uh, it's worth it to them, which I think is a yeah, distinction yeah. that we should recognize, yeah. too. Because, I mean, of course, like, he's the one choosing which characters to portray. Yes. But mm-hmm. um, she's fine with it. She's like, I felt it, and I was perfect. Like, that's life, work, achieved, cool, I'm done. Yeah. You know? Um, which is a problem. <laughs> Kind of, because, like, you should set a new goal before you reach the one that you already have kind of deal so that you have something to live for. Because she didn't, when she got I there. Yeah. I, feel um, I feel that. Yeah.
0: I feel that. I feel that so hard over this past year.
2: I turned 30 this past weekend, you guys. I felt it real hard. I was like, what <laughs> do I what have? What am I doing? Do
0: you feel different now?
2: Yes. Like a transformed woman? It's the only birthday that I've ever had where I was like, things are going to be different.
0: Your birthday was cool, though.
2: Yeah, no, that a lot. Um, I'm
0: going to be there. I'm going to see you in a week. A week from today, we will already have been hanging out for yeah. like 24 hours plus. So 30 is about to get real right.
2: Yeah. Also, you guys, and the, I'm going to tell you about this again at the end, but we're going to do like a live. We're going to be all in this, all three of us in the same room recording. I'm going to meet Mary time.
1: in person for real.
2: I'm gonna record it. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god, film. what if I
1: hate you? <laughs> you laugh.
2: <laughs> All right. Um All right, back to this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, like, at first, I think when I first saw this movie, I was still performing professionally. I was still a professional ballerina. Mm. And so this movie was, I guess, more I don't know, I guess it was creepier to me.
2: Oh, yeah. Then? I can imagine, yeah. Maybe.
1: But, like, watching it back now, it makes more sense. And I feel like it would be the opposite way because I get Nina at times. And I think we kind of talked about it briefly before here. But being, you know, in that professional setting and coming from that really harsh one that we talked, you know, when I was learning to do the foy sequence in Swan Lake because I did play – Odette and Odette before. Wait, you guys,
2: if you're not familiar with ballet, fouettes are the part oh, yeah. when you when you do a spin on one foot, turn, and the kick other leg's momentum spins you around. There's thirty-two of them. We'll
0: post a video. For context, Natalie Portman learned a lot and did a lot of her dancing. But not that. Not that at
1: all. Oh no, it's extremely hard. It's a very coveted role. It's almost yeah, it's foites in itself are an act of gravity that are almost physically impossible. As a dancer, if you hit five beautifully on your mark, you're golden. To be able to do 32 and then continue a number that is about 17 minutes in peace, yeah. you've hit your stride. And if you messed up your foites, which are hard and should be understandable and rehearse when you're learning it, that like shit happens and that's okay. I got whacked in my shins with a cane by a ballet instructor that did not speak English. Which is also partly why I speak fluent French. (laughs) But, uh, so, like, I get Ah. it. Because this woman who was my, like, artistic director at the time, like, she was, I guess, by normal standards would be horrific. And she, I wanted so bad to please her. Yeah. And I would do anything to please her and anything to be good at it. Because I know if I went home and she didn't whack me with that cane or she whacked me just a couple of times with that cane, like, I did such good work, and I could go home and be proud. So she, like, I I get it. And that was just kind of bouncing off Mary Kay's thought of, or is it? No, yeah. Mary's thought that destruction is, or is that you? Destruction is justified. Mm-hmm. That's me. If the perfection is achieved. And like, I destroyed myself. And I was so content with them looking back at it now, like, I should be horrified by some of the things that I had done to my own body. But like, I'm really not, because it's what I wanted.
0: I was happy doing what I was doing. So what happened was, I thought I identified with this, because when I was doing ballet, like, four or five times a week in Japan, as a little kid, they would, like, do the thing during your splits where they, like, yank you up, right? Mm -hmm. Because then your your center of gravity is better, right? And then they would just... Slam me down? uh, They did the nice, like, heavy slow, where they just kept putting more and more of their weight until they could feel that, like... Your hips were going to give and then drop, which, like, seems like a horrifying thing to do. If you're doing it to five and six-year-olds, their hips were already doing it. Yeah. Like, any resistance was more so Like Physically, they're pretty
1: okay, and it's really common in the world of dance and gymnastics.
0: No, in my 30s, I'm totally justifying what I intellectually know. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is a super upsetting thing to do. And (laughs) I think back on that, and I'm like, damn, I, I got... I can't point my feet. I got (laughs) nowhere near what you were doing. Um, Even after a fucking decade of it, I got nowhere near what you were doing. And I felt like, oh shit, like at least to a point I get this. So I'm actually kind of amazed you watched this entire movie, ever at any point in your life, especially while you were dancing. Yeah. Yeah. And I
1: I had it listed for later and I think it makes a little bit more sense here the topic of like self-injury when the perfection isn't obtainable. And so I noticed like, you know, she cuts her fingers and she picks at her skin and things like that. And if you were, you know, you can, everyone knows it's a common thing. Like ballet fucks Mm -hmm. your feet up and it fucks your hips up. And if you ever have to sit out a rehearsal because you're injured, you get used to the way your body feels when you're sore after rehearsal. Like I'm sure you guys know, like after a good long, like dance class and it hurts to sit down to pee that's the best feeling in the world. And if you're out for a while and that's gone, like I found myself, like I was out for two weeks with broken toes and I've talked to a lot of people. We all do it and you'll sit there and you'll like bend, like pull at your toe and bend it. And it kind of like makes it hurt, but in a way that feels like a release Mm -hmm. or feels good. Mm -hmm. Or if you've ever had like a sore tooth that you've like pushed on, it was like that. So that's really common in the dance world. And I really didn't know until after I had seen this movie and it kind of opened up conversations, but like, People will fester in wounds, and self injury really ramps up when people are taking
0: breaks.
2: Yeah, because the more you suffer, the more you care.
0: Yeah, and the more you care, the more you should be suffering, right? Yep. Yep. And it's not like that in every world. It's not like that in every in every interest or skill or ability. But I definitely think that I don't. I I I think that there are things. Time in dance is
1: fleeting. Dance careers don't last forever. You either get in car wrecks like I did that are unexplainable and your career's over before you are ready for it to be over or you're become too old and old for a ballerina is like 30 tops. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not going to be there forever. Like, you know, not to say that musicians can play forever. There are obviously things that could inhibit that, but that is not as fleeting as dances. So the obsession is real to accomplish those goals then.
2: And I think that that's part of why, um, I mean, I'm not talking about you specifically, Megan, but like dancers especially in of this course. movie are just like full throttle like if I get hurt, I get hurt because it's yeah. gonna happen sooner or later where I'm you done dance
1: through it, you work through it, you only have a certain amount of time to be on that floor and on that stage in rehearsals. So if you've got to dance on broken toes, you've got to dance on broken toes
2: yeah, and even the 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 Nina's mom was like, well, I had use so and my career was over, and Nina's like, you were twenty eight like you were yeah. done yeah, it you're was gonna just, be over you're... soon.
0: It
2: yeah. was never happening. No. Oh. Um, it it does make me upset, though. Uh, or not upset, I guess, but, like... it's And it's not exactly, like, a flaw in the movie, because it is a trope. But uh, when Toma is like, look how much fun Lily's having. <clears throat> like, she's barely working at all. It's like, yeah, okay, well, some people start off a little closer to the finish line than others, Toma. Like, it's but great also, that it comes naturally to Lily's her, just- but-
1: flinging her hair around, she's not actually technically doing anything impressive. But also, if I walked into a ballet studio and I did not have on a black leotard pink tights, my shoes laced beautifully, and my hair in a slick-ass tight bun, so tight that, like, it was going to pull out of my hair, I would be told to leave and don't come back. If I tried to sling my hair around while I did jetés across the floor.
0: Also, we were just talking age. Margot Fontaine in that Romeo and Juliet I saw as a kid that, like, fucked up my life. mm mm-hmm. She was born in 1919. That Romeo and Juliet happened in
2: 1965. Yeah, they, she danced into her 50s. Yeah, that's very uncommon. She danced.
0: Yeah. Ex- no, that's she's like the like the ballet exception. more s- yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, like a, she's basically urban legend, except that it's documented and real. Right. <laughs> like we know it happened, yeah. but like it um, no it one can never do that. Happens.
2: Oh, so yeah. speaking of urban legends, um, yes, I want to go back to the fairy tale retelling aspect yes of this it, do it, do because it. okay yeah, yeah. so tomoc basically gives us the whole exposition while they're rehearsing so we know what's happening but this movie is black swan i mean is swan lake sorry um so they're the yes. same they're yeah. the same plot except for black swan is swan lake updated for our audience so even in the beginning he's like it's done to death i know but we're gonna do it with Similar choreography, but with a new spin. And that's what this movie is. Mm -hmm. Because you have um, Nina in the beginning. She, you know, we see the dream, right? Uh, with With the prologue music, which is just gorgeous. Like, it's incredible. And she thinks that she dreamed that she danced the white swan. But she dreamed that she turned into a swan. That a man turned her into a swan, which is what happens in the movie. It's not what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens in the pla- in the in the ballet, but uh, in Swan Lake, but less to a lesser degree, right? Like he, they've convinced her that that's what she needs to do, and then she, at least, I mean, whether or not it actually happened, she believes that it happened. Like her knees. Turn in, turn into bird knees. Snap, yes. Yeah, which and her eyes turn red, and then she starts to grow feathers. Which okay, also, I was her looking at... webbed it, ass feet. Yeah, her webbed feet, um, and they go squarish too. Um, it's really beautiful, though. If you if you guys have, seen, I mean, I know that Megan you have, but our, if our listeners have seen Swan Lake, a lot of their movements they look very like they look very bird like. And, you know, ballet dancers are famous for having, like, long, mm-hmm. gr- graceful necks and everything. Anyway, uh, but the fact that she turns into a swan physically is the scary part. Um, I, I was watching it this time. I've seen this movie so many times. right? Like, I've taught it a bunch of times and everything. But um, her mom's like, what's that on your shoulder? And I was like, bitch, that is a heat rash. All she does is dance in a tight leotard. That's <laughs> what that shit is. Like,
0: Oh, my God. I get that shit on my
2: neck. That sucks. I have it on both arms right now.
0: Oh, and my knees. I don't I know get why it.
2: they're there, though. It's
0: weird. Do you cross your legs?
2: Yeah. That's probably
0: it. That's what it is. It's very I seldom. Know, I know. but I know what it is. It's very, it's recognizable, <laughs> but I never seem to get it in a pattern that makes
2: any sense.
0: Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Like, it is especially hot today or especially sweaty today or especially anything. And the fact that it's happening on my neck, which is actually never touching anything. Yeah. And the summer, is like, what, it, what the fuck are you doing? Right. Man? Chill. Just chill out. Come on. <sighs> yeah. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. The, how much of this is reality? How much is imagination? How much is hallucination? Because there are times that Nina is aware that she is imagining. That yeah. she's fantasizing. There are times that she's either fantasizing or hallucinating. hmm And we're not clear. And then there are times that it seems to be happening at her. Mm-hmm. And also, for me, that calls into question entirely whether what she perceives as reality is actually happening either. We have an unreliable narrator. Ladies and gentlemen, yet again, in a horror movie. Yeah,
2: but we know that from <laughs> the unreliable. Like, we're not seeing it all from her perspective. It's not American Psycho style
0: or anything like that. No, no, no. We, no we has know a point, she, we I mean. Very, we are very quickly informed that, like, I don't know about this one. Maybe mm. unbalanced. Yeah. So that said, we are, we still see things through, through a general lens on Nina. So the stuff that we see as her reality, even is it, if she can't necessarily tell, cause she can't tell if she's hallucinating or imagining, like if right. she was fantasizing, dreaming or hallucinating the like sex with um, Lily. Mm-hmm example we still like i don't think there's any conclusive
2: message on lily denies what
0: that lily denies it so maybe it's not reality but also lily is not categorically honest she spikes her drink also it's a lot to imagine so so for me a lot of this like feeds into the the tortured artist right Mm -hmm. that if nina is going to become perfect her brain must break (laughs) in this horrible way (laughs) that ruins her life everywhere except this one performance. Yeah. And I'm, as much as I love this movie, I'm so tired of that. I don't want anyone to ever feel like they can't create unless they're unhealthy. Also, it's fucking not true. We don't
2: do our best work when we are unhealthy. No, we or don't. On drugs. Also, we that's work... a misconception. It's nonsense. We... When you exactly. come down from it. It's just <laughs>
0: <nothing>. <laughs> right. We may be prolific, but that yeah. doesn't mean the work is. But then
2: someone has to sort through intentional. the shit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, is, it doesn't mean it's intentional or it's meaningful or it's it's right. That it doesn't mean it has the from you or anyone else to keep developing
2: yeah and so part of that right is like the art for art's sake bullshit where it's like Mm -hmm. that's not a thing no if it didn't make somebody feel something for me at least if it didn't make somebody feel something it doesn't count or at least not to me like I'm like all right you're very clever I guess (laughs) but like I mean (laughs) um but, I mean, you have to start there, right? Like, you have to start with just being clever for the sake of being clever, but then you turn it into something that has a point. And for Nina, the point is, uh, and I think for the the point of the movie is, hey, don't let this be you. Like, this is a cautionary tale. That's how I feel about it, at least. Um, and that's Black Swan. Swan Lake's cautionary tale is a little bit different. It's basically, um, you can either be... Uh, The white, pure queen princess who someone sabotages. Or you can steal a man from that girl. Choice is yours. I know what I'm doing. And by that, I mean the choice is the sorcerers. Like you don't really, you just kind of get chosen or don't. And then go with it in Swan Lake.
0: You're correct.
2: In this instance, when we update the story, uh, Von Rothbart is Toma. Because he decides... I was going to say. He's good and bad.
0: Tama decides, like, no, but also you kind of have to do both. Yeah. So she has to do both.
2: Yeah, and the thing is, like, that's a normal facet. Those facets are normal in every human. Also women, but not only. But women are the ones who have to choose between them unnecessarily. Yes. Yeah.
0: And also women are the ones who need a man to tell them how to integrate them. Because... What do I do? Every man we know has so well integrated (laughs) his pure self and his shadow self. (laughs) They're really good at being both the Madonna and the whore at all times. And appreciating that in other people.
1: (laughs) Every man I know. Every man on earth, probably.
0: Well, it's been fun talking with everyone. That's the end of this episode. Um, (laughs) Every man is good at that.
2: Oh my gosh. But we really, we were talking about, I mean, oh. I think the injuries, right? Like, that's where part of the horror of this movie comes from, too. It's like, uh, in particular, I think the first one we see is when she splits her toenail, when she's practicing the forte, or the, what do they call uh-huh. it? The coda?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When she's practicing and then yeah. she goes to tell yeah. him.
0: Yeah, she's in the coda. So.
2: Yeah. And to me, that wasn't that upsetting, but also
0: that was that thing that, like, for years I just thought was, like, just normal. normal. It's just like what happened to your feet. If you, like, got really good. If you were lucky, that's what happened right. to your
2: feet. If you were lucky, the toenail is yeah. what gave out first. <laughs> Instead of, like, your knee. Exactly.
1: Ankle, I hate or that spine. opening scene where she hangs her feet off the bed and they look completely yep. normal and not shitty. And I'm just like, nope, goodbye. That's how we know that your body double was telling the truth and you're a big fat liar.
2: Yeah. And then also, and this is going to sound shitty because I'm not trying to do, like, a whole body shaming thing. But I just don't feel like ballerinas are that lean. I mean, are that thin. They're lean, but they're well, she shredded. was
1: told, yeah, she lost 20 pounds, and so she only weighed 98 yeah. pounds in this film. And I will say the majority of people that I worked with probably did weigh 98 pounds, but they were 98 pounds yeah. of solid fucking muscle.
2: Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, very low body yeah. fat. And but I think you have, to, you have to be training in
0: that style of much longer yeah. than a year. To get that kind of size with that kind of, like, impact. It's
2: just something that I noticed because I don't think that, in my experience, the ballerinas that I've known have, have been so very frail looking, if that makes sense. Um,
1: All that I encountered in the professional world are small, but they're not frail. They're very petite and very thin, but, like, you can tell that they are a size, like, double zero, but they're also going to knock your head off if they kick
2: Yeah, and their calves are bigger than their thighs. Yes. That's something that I've noticed.
1: Yeah, like and it, when, when, when flexed, you hold your arms yeah. out in second position, you just see those shoulder blades just, like, come together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so beautiful.
2: It really is, but I just was say, yeah. like, I just... Yeah, it's... she
1: looks more sickly than...
2: But Just I mean, that critiqued. adds to the character too, right? It's like she's also eating like a half of a grapefruit a day. Yeah. That's not it. Also, enough. I love, love,
0: love that moment where she's like, so pretty. And like, it's, it, it is a whole world building character. Yep. No, it's such a world building character building thing. Yep. So fucking quick. So In quick. 20 seconds, I got a lot of information about her relationship with her mom. Mm-hmm. About her relationship to her body, about how she travels through her world on daily—like like what is routine to her. Mm-hmm. I got it real quick. I didn't like what I was seeing. I was like, oh no. But I got the information. It's yeah. real quick. Oh, we did the that.
2: whole exposition scene. We got it right then. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I do feel a need to vocalize. I may feel differently about the shoulder blades coming together situation. You said it out loud and my brain was like, no, nah, not nah, never. Oh no. Human women. Ah <laughs> um, and I and I, I love ballet. I love love ballet. Um I just thought about what it would like how much that takes. Not I just love for it to happen. Not just for it to happen, but for it to be that visible to other people.
2: Yeah.
0: And I was like, oh, oh
2: oh, oh, <laughs> can I, can my can I develop can I develop, that's what I noticed we behind her looking at the, uh, yes. it's the, um, the coda when she performs it, that's one of the things that I noticed when we go on stage with her, it's like a follow shot yeah. and we're behind her,
0: yeah, because the flexibility to bring your shoulder blades together is one thing. Well,
2: that's the main thing I noticed
1: too during their sex scene. Was Mila Kunis had those bad ass shoulders, like her tattoo yeah. was all moving. and I'm like, my husband Andrew's like, that's really what you're taking out from this <laughs> scene. I'm like,
0: yes. Also, my apologies. I'm pretty sure the tattoo was moving independently.
2: Yes.
1: Well, no, it was. Okay. But it, like that on top of the fact that like she already has these crazy dancer shoulders moving and she's just like contorting right? it. Right,
2: I want to be that when I go way. down on somebody. <laughs> not that it <laughs> matters with from your that hair, angle With your at hair all, down but...
1: and everything, not in a shoddy <laughs> ponytail.
2: Right, it's just like how can I get in a position where my neck isn't going to just like seize and I'm going to be stuck like this for the rest of my life. No, it's <laughs>
0: not you. But
2: Me neither. I was just kidding. I don't do that.
0: Yeah, but no, I I, I was just commenting on that like the difference between, like, knowing what it takes for a body to do that, mm-hmm. and then now, at my current age and point in life, looking at that body and realizing, like, oh, oh my, like, yeah. oh, like, no ballerina should ever have been asked to be that specific size
2: or shape, like, oh. Well, you kind of have to be very small in order to whip yourself around that fast and be lifted that easily and then i was gonna say
1: i don't know if i could do 32 tapes anymore i technically think i could i can still get on my box beautifully but i don't think that my ass is gonna throw in that circle my ass throws in a very different circle now
2: ayo eh. i got circles vertical horizontal diagonal <laughs> ever how you want i'm the fucking gravitron <laughs> I am the fucking that's swan queen that's <laughs> title
0: yeah, I is. am the Gravitron <laughs> swan queen it's um, the female
2: equivalent of I am the fucking lizard king remember when <laughs> Robert California said that <laughs> I'm the swan queen he you never left the code or the core whatever Jim Morris, oh my speak god Megan does Gravitron so swan sweaty. what <laughs>
0: Let us continue. Let's talk Lily. Yeah. My impression is that Lily is the embodiment of of the shadow self, right? Like Young's shadow self. She is id. Mm-hmm. Like, she is all of the things that Nina either can't see or acknowledge or accept in herself. Yeah. Which, in the context of this movie, because, you know, it's a man-making movie about women, is sex! Yeah. So... Duh. Which I'm, you know, it's not an uncommon shadow self, regardless of gender. But that particular freeness, that horror versus Madonna thing, is definitely what seems to be happening there. And so, by having sex with her, she like should have taken her in, right? She should have consumed her and become one with her shadow self. Except that apparently it didn't happen. Yeah, she was just fantasizing about it.
2: Right, so that's what's yeah. so interesting about that sex scene to me. I mean, sure, it's Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis, and they're both very beautiful women. And they look a lot alike. One of them's a little bit, like, browner than the other, but whatever. Well,
0: Natalie Portman suggested Mila Kunis for the role. Oh, they nice. were friends. It was gonna... Blake Lively was reading for it. Oh, no. Hard pass.
2: Hard Terrible. pass. Terrible. What an unexceptional yet beautiful woman.
1: Like Mila... Cunis is also a good choice because she is an extensively trained ballerina. That's why I said Mila is a good choice because they look similar, which helps this whole right theme of the movie. The but also yeah. she does understand ballet and the world of ballet.
2: Yeah, so that's good. It's weird, though, that she's the one with the experience with that, but she got cast for the role of Lily. I think it's because she's browner, But that could be not the case. I just... well,
1: Aronofsky had just been pining over casting... Portman in literally anything ever since he a saw her time. in Star Wars. So the second he was just like "ew" and scooped that girl up.
0: No, there were years. This took. Taste. I mean, ten. Years. Like I said, it was supposed to be part of the wrestler. Like it took years and years for this to like develop even into its own thing. What like it ten years by the time and... it finally started getting made? It was about ten years, I think. Yeah, and Natalie Portman uh... signed on years before it actually happened. Like mm-hmm. she was like, "I'm going to do." She took a cut from her salary to make sure that there was a medic on set because someone, I think she may have gotten injured and when they were like, oh, there's, oh yeah, she broke ribs uh, during the lift and when they were like, mm, we're so sorry, we'll guess we'll take you to the hospital. She was like, everyone the fuck is dancing. We have stunt doubles. We have dance doubles. Like, you need a medic. Yeah. Just take it out of mine. That's good for dope. her. She's incredible.
2: I really like her a lot, and I really like Mila Kunis a lot too. I think it was really well done. I'm just saying, I was just being difficult. Yes. Um, Anyway, that's what you do best. I definitely get it. Thank you. Um, I I am quite a struggle. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I am a struggle with a fantastic ass. Is what you should be saying. It's in motion. Almost all of the time. <laughs> I'm mostly kidding. I'm just talking shit. Okay, but for real, back to the doppelganger thing. So the Freud's doppelganger is a uh, part of a facet of the uncanny, right? Which means, like, you see someone who looks just like you but doesn't act like you. Um, mm-hmm. Which we see not only in Lily, but also when her reflection won't behave. Yes. And we see, yes, her, we see exactly. her see herself uh, in the bathtub. We see it uh, on the, when she's walking under in the scaffolding to and from the subway. Mm-hmm. Um, when Lily but, turns
0: into her? Yes. Yes. Briefly.
2: When they switch places during the makeout scene? You
0: guys Thank noticed you. that?
2: They switch in and out of the underwear. I straight up... Yep.
0: I straight up paused it and was like, that doesn't look like Mila Kunis anymore, but I can't... Like, I am on the fucking frame. That does not look like Natalie mm-hmm. Portman to me. I think it just needed to look close. Like, I, I think that's part of the point, maybe, yeah. in that moment. does mm-hmm. is that isn't... It never gets close enough or that the, the, the transposition is never complete enough. Yeah. yeah. You to need to negate. question it too. Well,
2: that's the thing about the doppelganger is that you're supposed to avoid your doppelganger. If you meet each other. If they're bad luck. Someone dies. You have to fight to the death. Yes. The good Mary or bad. Okay, does one of us yeah. die? <laughs> I don't know. It's been a while. So probably not. We're probably not. That's probably not going to happen. Also, Madonna or horror? I think we're both straddling the line in both of those, and I mean that in both ways. Absolutely. And I think,
0: like, we each straddle the line in such opposite ways that it's really fun.
2: It's almost scissoring. I mean, really.
0: Hey! Another delightful brown sex scene. And so, (laughs) for the listeners' sake, Mary Kay and I do not actually, like, if you saw us standing next to each other... If we told you we were related, you'd believe it. We don't look that much alike, actually. We have very similar hair and hair color. And our skin tone is, like, exactly the same. Yeah, but I haven't met you in person yet. We gotta, like, see it. We gotta see it. We're gonna
2: revisit this next week also.
0: Okay. I was like, damn, Mary. Well, no, Mary Kay is the only other person so far in my life with whom I've been able to share foundation, hair, anything, just, like, categorically fine um and if you were to describe either of us to somebody you'd be like oh you know dark curly hair um big smile big eyes uh curvy like curvy um tan brownish like they're like all the descriptors you'd use apply to both people Mm -hmm. and then i'm mary and she's mary Kay,
2: and pretty much all those apply to to megan too you just don't know yet (laughs)
1: I was gonna say. I'm so excited. I'm, so I'm excited. Megan Brooks. We're all MB. Also Brown. Y'all got those big doe eyes on me though. I don't have those. I've got my lame almond eyes. I
2: think. <laughs> I
1: think
0: eyes too. Oh I to me to me your eyes are very like like wide yeah. and bright.
1: Oh thanks. It's a lot of. Concealer
2: <laughs> oh I was gonna ask you guys is that lipstick that Nina steals? Is that Clinique? It looks like Clinique. Yeah. Yeah so it's expensive I shit. So. I would have been pissed too if she's like, it's you clean totally clean stole expensive? my shit. Yeah. I feel like Clinique's cheaper
1: than Urban Decay nowadays.
0: Not what if you buy my exact color on
2: eBay, which I... Do. Is F-bomb? I,
0: yeah, but it's, you know, it's that old formulation mm-hmm. I like.
2: I like F-bomb. It's my favorite one. It's my staple. It's very blue-red. Um. Anyway. Feminism. So all these
0: women just... All these women just be like, fighting each other all the time. Black Swan, anti-feminist or no? A discussion.
2: Well, I don't think so. Because, just because a narrative doesn't portray a self-possessed woman doesn't make it anti-feminist, necessarily. Um, and we do have characters that Nina is not... She is, though, also kind of. I mean, she's giving in to, like, pressures around her to be a certain way. But she's also actively choosing to do that. But kind of not. That's what I was going to say. She kind of has the
1: choice at times to leave. And she does at one point. I mean, shit gets real and she's obviously thick in some mental issues. But she storms out and is like, I'm moving out. Mm -hmm. So she does try to take control of things. I think there are aspects of this movie that make it anti-feminist, but I don't think it's an anti-feminist film by any means. And I also don't think it has anything to do with the film making itself. It has more to do with the
0: subject matter of the film. So Aronofsky got a lot of shit about this and he got a lot of shit about mother for similar reasons, which is that like, Mm -hmm. Oh, so the embodiment of femininity means art survives femininity or the woman who embodied it, must be destroyed. Which I, I think, like, symbolically is very straight up. Like, <laughs> she achieves the perfection and is destroyed in the mm-hmm. process. Um, but again, I also
1: think that has to do with the subject matter of the film. Obviously, maybe sure. not as commonly to actual death, but destroying yourself mentally and physically in the world of professional ballet is not uncommon at all.
0: Right. Do you feel like that's true of his other work, though?
2: I don't know, but I do think that the, the male characters in this don't have to make the same decision. Like, you have the prince, and you have von Rothbart, and you have the dancers who are portraying either of them, and they're polar opposites, too. But there's never, mm-hmm. like, you have to go, go home and touch yourself. That'll make you good at this. Yeah.
0: Oh, God. Oh, God. Every time I remember that scene exists, I just have to scream that way. Yes. That damn mother in
1: that damn chair in that damn corner.
2: With the doorknob.
1: With the damn doorknob. Oh.
2: Oh. Yes, that's symbolism also. We don't have to go into it, but... (laughs) Sorry if you (laughs) heard that. Well,
0: well, so so the wrestler has a similar, as we've discussed, a similar kind of wind-up and conclusion in that there is the choice perfection and sacrifice, ultimate sacrifice, or self-preservation in a state you you don't want to sustain. So it's certainly not only the women in his work that get this treatment. Mm -hmm. It is notable that when a man makes the choice to make the sacrifice, it is a choice. In fact, in The Wrestler, he spends about half the movie insisting that he's going to do this, or most of the movie, insisting that he's going to do this while other people tell him he should quit. Whereas this movie is all about people shoving her with all of their might mm-hmm. into this horrifying decision. That you can either be the success you've always dreamed you'd be, or you can literally live. You can do it once, or you can live an embarrassment. Like you mm-hmm. consider your mother to be. Which, hey, this this movie does not shy away from the Freud and Jung. So, hey.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting in there and being like what happens if we just mess it up a little
0: <laughs> um, let's really learn to the mother-daughter thing instead
2: yikes so, Fuck. Freud just didn't pay any attention to women at all that's why there's not any kind of fucked up relationship there Damn.
0: I mean yeah. cause really that's where all the gold was Freud yeah. that was the really fascinating part why didn't you go there um Hold on, so so if Swan Lake is the subject matter initially,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Swan Lake, anti-feminist or not?
2: Right? Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. It's a girl that falls in love with somebody, and the choice is completely out of her hands, and then ultimately he chooses the wrong girl, so she has no choice but to die, because if she can't have that man, then the life is not worth living.
2: Yeah. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, like, that might be an extreme sort of, like, kill yourself situation. But it is one of my very visceral horrors to, like, look in the window at a party and find the prince literally dancing up on my twin who's evil. Like, that's horrible. And that's what happens in the in Swan Lake, right? It's like she's dancing up, yeah. remember? And she's on the, on the stairs doing mm-hmm. the... Yeah, um... So, Swan, I, I totally agree, Megan, with you. Um, and it's not a horror ballet, but it kind of should be. Because, like, that's all she has. Like, that's the one card that she can play. And it's like, oh, no, sorry, a younger, hotter, evil, or you uh, just kind of came in because she could. So what
0: had okay. happened was. Yeah. So you've been brushed to the side. Yeah. What a lovely little Goodbye. bride. I'll fear around look divine. <laughs> <laughs> are working out according to my ultimate design yeah that's I mean that's yes. exactly but the little mermaid also is Swan Lake or Swan Lake is the little mermaid yeah. or the original the Hans Christian Andersen where right. yes. when the Ursula figure runs off with the prince she throws herself into sea foam forever. Yeah. Uh-huh. after leaving bloody footprints everywhere which honestly I would kind of like to do every time I get pissed
2: <laughs> me too I was here, motherfucker. Universal donor, bitch.
1: <laughs> I'm the universal
0: recipient. Thanks, girl.
2: <laughs> Anytime, girl. Also,
0: you quoted a Beyonce song and asserted your blood dominance in two lines.
2: <laughs> I don't know if That's I, I need to do that. Summed
0: up as a person.
2: Mary <laughs>
0: Kay is you. Beyonce always. So okay, if we're talking anti-feminism though, let's talk about anti-feminism in Ballet.
1: Let's do that shit because as much as I love it and it pains me to say, ballet is pretty anti-feminist. It is very body image dependent, and that's where I told you we would kind of flesh it out here a little bit more. But women are really infantilized in the world of ballet. It is the the flat-chested, no hips, very board-shaped women that are ideal in ballet. And we see that a lot with Nina, with played out to an extreme with her mother's relationship and her little pink ruffly room with all the stuffed animals, which she eventually, like, revolt, revolts again and throws them all down into, like, the trash compactor, down the trash chute, and is like, fuck this shit. And I'm like, yes, girl, because you're a grown-ass woman. Also, I, I feel like if you are a... Perf- I don't know where this is taking place, but generally speaking, like if you're a prima in the American ballet theater in New York, like you're not living with your mother. She's not taking care of you. You're probably there. Cause you moved out of 18 on your own and you're taking care of your fucking self. Your mom's not clipping your toenails for you.
0: Okay. So that's where we're going to number one. We're going to come back to that relationship. Yeah. We'll circle back to that. that. Damn ass problem. But, uh, also it's worth noting because you brought up infantilizing. Natalie mm-hmm. Portman had spent years at this point. On voice work. Mm-hmm. Because she, on, on what? On voice work. Because she naturally oh, has yeah. uh, a very youthful, a very light, a much very more worthy voice. Yes. And she'd been getting notes from, from agents, directors, for years, that she just didn't sound her age. So even as she was aging yeah. and like could do different work, they didn't want to give it to her because she didn't sound She has right. a jovial voice. So she had been working mm-hmm. for years. And then for this role. Had to roll it back and it was so difficult and frustrating. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. to do all of this work that she had spent in in kind of bringing her voice into this mature sound. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Like for this role, it was important that she sound.
1: Yeah, and that's what young. made me so uncomfortable with her sitting there and was like, oh, look at this great for it's so pink, it's so yummy. And I'm like, hey, girl, please me, stop. Mommy. Please don't do it. Yeah. Well, she calls her mom in the bathroom crying. You don't do that. You don't do that. You don't. You don't do that. Be excited about it. Absolutely, call your mom. Don't go call your mom in the bathroom and cry when you're about to literally walk home to your fucking mother. And also, don't word it as "he picked me, mommy." Like you said.
0: Well, that's that's where you get these messages that like that shit's a problem. Yes, what's going on? It is a a problem. problem.
1: Yeah, but uh, also on if we're talking just about ballet, we don't see it really tons in this movie we kind of see the opposite but ballet is typically it's gotten better now strikes down your typical definition of what masculinity is and also is pretty uh anti-heterosexual you'd get a lot of flack if you're a straight male in a in ballet or dance in general it's gotten better not tons and they're not seen as masculine but uh, those are some of the strongest fucking dudes I have ever encountered. Do you see how easily? Have you seen a guy like do the jumpy spins and all like tornades? And they do like 10 in the air and it has Yo, such ease
0: and such grace. If you can watch Varishnikov. Varishnikov. For 30 seconds. Ugh. For 30 seconds and not just be like, what the fuck? Oh, I just destroyed the thing I was sitting on with the power yeah. of my vagina excitement. <laughs> If you can watch it for 30 seconds and not just be astonished.
1: Lord. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. But we do see them, the males take a much more masculine role a little bit in this film. in And uh, especially with Tomah. you know, he's very gropy and grabby and sexually assertive, which is not the typical role that you see male ballerinas take. And... You see, you know, someone like a prima should be exerting much more confidence and you just have Nina as this tiny frail child.
0: <sighs> so Nina. We all know that's her husband, right? That's Natalie Portman's husband. That yeah. she's dancing with.
1: Well, they met on set. Exactly. Yeah, they announced that they were dating afterwards. All the cast got angry because he was not paying deaf attention to the other dancers because he was spending all of his time with Natalie Portman.
0: Yeah, so that that line where, where Tomas like would you fuck her? And the guy, Any he laughs. Great acting. Yes, natural reaction. Great acting. Yeah. He was already fucking her. <laughs> they have, they have a beautiful child. But yeah, I, I, I feel like that, there's an interesting subversion of heteronormativity there. Yes. In mm-hmm. terms of what is portrayed in the story versus what is lived and what in the What actually space. happens. Yeah. Yes. When I, um, uh, when I was nine, we went to Juilliard. Because at the time, like I said, I was dancing a, a whole, whole lot. And my mom's family is all in the city, so we were there, and I, I wanted to see it. And we checked it out, and we got some brochures and stuff, and it was very exciting. And we popped into the, like, dining hall kind of area to get a beverage and a snack. And as we sat down, my mom came to join us and was like, That was Baryshnikov.
2: <gasps> what?
0: And I was like, what? And she was like, that's Barishnikov. He was standing next to me in the line. That was Barishnikov. Did you not see him? <laughs> and I was like, "What?" <laughs> but no, yeah. I mean, I you know, it's obviously twenty some years ago now, but yeah, yeah. He was just like chilling next to us in the cafeteria line, and then he was sitting so nearby. Damn! It was what a moment. Um. So what okay, so if the masculinity heterosexuality, heteronormativity rather thing is way the fuck off, what the fuck else is off? Um,
1: not necessarily anti feminist, but I just have to say it because I'm bitter and it needs to be said. Uh they did not give the actual dancer like any sort of credit in this. And what? it makes Yeah, so what it is is what is her name? I'm pretty sure I know it. I'm trying to think of her name. It's Chelsea something. I'm almost positive. Chelsea Mansell, maybe? She was... Oh, sorry. i sorry. Natalie... I had
0: notes for this, and then I, I didn't hold on. It's Natalie Portman's
1: um, body double, basically. And she did... And she's, she's becoming a lot more vocal about it. And so the problem is that her face... Natalie Portman's face was digitally plopped onto this dancer's body. Natalie Portman studied ballet for a year and still got nowhere near where you need to be to do this film. Understandably so. Yeah. So some full body shots and some art movements were her. Anything that required anything to go up on point, any sort of actual dance scenes were done by this body double, which is a professional... Her primary um, double was Sarah Lane. Sarah Lane. That's what it was. And she got zero credit for it. And she is now... In recent years, speaking out was like, no, I did 95% of the actual dancing in this movie, but she received no credit. It's not exactly anti-feminist, but I just need to say it. She has a second double.
0: Uh, I, I'll, I'll grab a name while you talk to me about, please talk to I mean, us, to all the peoples, <laughs> all seven of them that listen to us. <laughs> oh my- is there any other misrepresentation of ballet dancers? Because like I said, like, I, I get the impression that in the ballet world, this is a movie that's like, ah, fuck those guys. Uh, Is that accurate, or am I totally misreading?
1: No, I think it misrepresents ballet dancers in a in a lot in a lot of ways. I also think it just sheds a really negative light on ballet dancers who probably do put too much passion into what they do, but also other people put that same amount of passion into what they do, and. Nobody bats an eye like football players stay on the field all day, all night, and destroy their bodies for their sport and go back on the field with torn ACLs. And everyone's like, well, that's super cool. But a ballet dancer does it, and all of a sudden it's like super negative. Right. So I think I'm just right. tired of the men are that tough, ballet dancers are right? anorexic weaklings when ballet dancers. Also, they really made her seem super... Weak and frail, not just in her body, but also just in her mentality at times. Like ballet dancers are used to disappointment. We're used to harsh words. Like you can tell me that that sucked, and I'm not going to go cry in the bathroom about it or make myself get sick over it necessarily. Because like I, you're used to hearing it. Because ballet does strive for protection. all the time. If you want to have a dance where you have more artistical freedom and what you do, like you're not going to do ballet. That's you're why you're gonna I didn't go do, ballet. do modern or contemporary, yeah. or you're gonna go do hip hop. Like, if you want to have artistic license, ballet is not for you. If your leg like, is the, if the notes for Swan Lake says thirty-two fouettés, you don't change it. You do your thirty-two fucking fouettés. If you can't do it, that's not your role. Mm-hmm. Move along. And uh, so they're used to hearing it. Then we under like the majority of we understand that, and we're used to disappointment, and we don't act like little bitches about yep. it.
0: Even as a, a tiny one, like in Japan, when I was, like I said, I was taking, I was in class most days a week, it, in a language I did not speak, where they were speaking in a language they did not speak, I still knew what I was supposed to do all the time, and I knew when I was the fucking trouble and what I wasn't, I knew when I did it right and what I didn't. Mm-hmm. And that was, I was a little, I mean, we're talking like six, taking class in Japanese. Yeah. You know, where they are using French terms. Like it was, it was a whole hell of a lot. And I honestly think that's part of the reason I responded so much better to like a, like a really intense coaching style kind of theater environment when I got older. Mm -hmm. That's what I was used to. Yeah. I was used to art being strict, hard, fucking core. Mm -hmm. There is theory, there is technique, thing that you have to learn before you get anywhere near.
1: Yeah. So I think that was my, my only thing that I really watched the movie and was like, I have a problem with this. And I think it's just because they made her have, I don't know, they made her act so childlike, but also, like you said, like a child ballerina doesn't handle their life like this.
0: No, I mean, especially when you're a kid. You don't know any different. That's just what happens. So all the, the authority figures or the um, external, the meaningful external figures, honestly, in this movie, are all linked to Nina's sexuality. Mm-hmm. ostensibly it is Tama inviting it or encouraging it it is Nina luring her into it it is her mother stifling it I've encountered the theory that her mother is actively sexually abusive based on the scene where she walks into the room and says are you ready for me mm-hmm. at bedtime or how freaked out she gets when her mom goes to rip her top off Exactly. To look at the rash on her back I've also encountered the notion that the face between Nina's legs is not her own. It's her mom's. Ugh. Because Lily uses the same phrase, sweet girl. Mm-hmm. Oh. I didn't catch that.
2: I didn't think about that, but that makes a lot of sense.
0: It does make a lot of sense. It also makes me want to vomit. Oh, it's, it's horrifying. Whether or not it's true, their relationship is...
2: No, but it holds up, right? Like, it doesn't matter it does if that was up. intended. Like, it's there.
0: Yeah. That codependency. Yeah. That unhealthy amount of intimacy. Well, it would, when it would make
1: age. sense that she would see Lily then. If something's going on that she's uncomfortable with, she's trying to just shut her eyes, grin, and bear it, and think of something that makes it better. Yeah. So she just projected
0: Lily into that situation. Yeah, possibly. Damn, Mary. I actually, I honestly never thought about it that way. I just thought that, like, she was fantasizing and even in the act of fantasizing Lily, she couldn't shut out Mom. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But you mentioned, uh, Megan, that there is something inherently sexual and like off kilter about dance, the dance moms moms and stage
1: moms. And not to say all of them, you know, my mom was incredible, but you know, you see it a lot in, you know, like you see, you know, like the dance mom shows and it's always, you know, Mm -hmm. telling them to lose weight or don't go on stage without your lipstick or these things. So it's just like making them dress and act a certain way and present things. And you see a lot of like, you know, and I was in more provocative routines when I was younger, but not to the extent that I'm seeing a lot nowadays. There was that little all the little girls from dance moms who were like 8 years old were doing a routine to cell block Tango and like it was a very like provocative routine with like slides down a bar and a pole and so like there is I think something sexually abusive in a non-traditional way with the world of performance.
0: Oh, yeah, There's
1: definitely
0: I mean, that aspect there. So this uh, this one time for a talent show when I was nine, I decided, I decided, my mom had nothing to do with this one, I decided I was going to do I Got Rhythm. Okay. I was just saying, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like prancing around, kind of dancing, not significant choreography. Um, but I wore like a, a, green, a gold glitter skirt and like top hat. Basically, Precious. I had encountered Fosse. Yes. Fosse lives and, and breathes in my soul. It's okay. That's what I decided I was doing
1: at nine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bob Fosse's pretty uh, pretty advanced for a nine-year-old in terms of, of gyrating.
0: Oh, no. My best friend at the time, like, I came off the stage and I was like, how did I do? And she was like, that was very sexy. <laughs> but, like, not she didn't mean it in a good way. She was like, girl, we are nine. <laughs>
2: I feel like I've always danced like that with my mom. Not in like a gross way, but just in like a dance in the kitchen type way. Like as long we as had, I can no. remember. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I said, my mom was great. Everybody in my company was great, but it is something that's super prevalent. Oh, you I see it like, a lot when age you go to competitions.
2: Oh and dancing. Got it. Yeah. And what makes it oh, age yeah, of yeah. right? Is the level of hip movement that is present.
1: How much gyrate That's do you pretty do? much it. Well, not How even that. How much
2: channel Elvis? Like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I was doing the, like,
0: one hip up, I got rhythm switch. <laughs> I got music. Right. You know, like, I was, it was really very tame, but it was Fosse, basically. And nine-year-olds probably shouldn't do Fosse. Just... Like, let's just yeah, start there. Yeah, I remember, like, all and of the dancing that I, I stuff did at we home was not
2: age-appropriate because it was, like... It, I don't want to say it was, like, gross, like, club dancing, but it was the kind of club dancing that you do when you're going out with ten of your girlfriends yeah. and in a circle just around your pocketbook and shoes. your booty doing some Like, of that's this. the kind of dancing that I grew up doing. Yeah. yeah. So, when I, we had, like, school dances and shit, it was like, um... How am I supposed to dance to this music, number one? Number two... I don't know how to dance with another human, let alone another, um, a boy. <laughs> like, are we just, can we just go home and like dance in the kitchen? Like <laughs> holding a spatula you in one like, hand? I like that's your... what, like, <laughs> that's the dream right there. I know
0: your mama. If we all learned to dance from your mama, shit would be real different
2: in this world. The whole world would be yeah, different. Be a, <laughs> so true. It
0: would be a beautiful,
2: it would be a beautiful place. I would love it. Okay. We're going to talk about storytelling style. Let's
0: talk about that that body gore, body gore, body horror. Okay.
1: Yeah. Visual story,
0: tele beautifulness. Let me hear because it. Because for me, the most the far and away most upsetting image in this movie is the cuticle. Oh, she's just yes. pulling it up real slow
1: in the bathroom and it's just that strand all the way up her finger.
0: Because it's yes. it's so identifiable like it, it's like a oh oh
1: it's also it's believable so, it's small enough that it's believable so more so than her
0: like gashing exactly.
1: her leg open or something like that it's so tame right. that it's believable
0: but it's so exactly uncomfortable. i was like i could do that and i think it it's a it's a it's definitely a high marks to storytelling that we start Roughly there, right? they the like pulling back the cuticle and we're all like, oh, I like it because I recognize it. And the movie ends with her sprouting fucking wings yeah. and having imaginarily murdered a person. But when she imaginarily murdered the person, even though she was already growing bird body, we were like, oh no, she killed Lily while she's sprouting feathers.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: And when we find out she didn't kill Lily, we're like,
2: oh my
0: God. And you're a swan? Like it, right, that's when you've earned your shit. You've put in the time. You've earned your shit.
2: Well, and part of the horror that comes with with that, with the nail, with the fingernail splitting, with her pulling the feather out of her back, um, and her when her knees go, uh, is that it's part of the transformation into the swan. So mm-hmm. it's a really slow burn. What happens in the prologue of Swan Lake happens over the duration of this movie. Which is interesting, yeah. Um, oh yeah. Also, um, in the in the beginning, but also throughout, we have like uh, they're doing some really interesting light work. Like uh, it's supposed to look like a spotlight, but that's not how a spotlight looks yeah. when you're in it, uh, which is very cool. It's a very cool color, um, mm-hmm. and I will put on here. It's like chiaroscuro. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, in the uh, chiaroscuro, I think. Okay. Yeah, so we have that, which makes it very. Uh, it, it's not like fairy tale, but it does look very curated. Um, and when I just noticed this, like when I was watching it this time, when she does kiss Toma after she performs the Black Swan, uh, she's on point still, so she's still performing.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and when she yeah. and the the yeah. part that we were talking about earlier with the thirty two uh, uh that Megan performed. Um, I remember watching this scene the first time in the theater uh, with Nina's performing it, obviously. And she comes on stage, and her arms are too low, and she has lazy elbows. And I was like, "God, what are you doing with your arms? I remember seeing it on screen and being like, she's clearly not, she doesn't know what she's doing. And then as she's doing those, she's whipping into it, the feathers come out a little bit more each time. And I was like... What the fuck? This was great foreshadowing. I was so excited about it because by the end, when she goes into like the, it's not a full layback, but almost um, her yeah, silhouette she or her she shadow on the, the back. She can't
0: for the wings to work.
2: Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh. I just thought that was such a cool, uh, like it's horrific, not only because it's like I cannot believe this bitch is on stage, on screen, performing it with Lazy Elbows, and then it's like, oh, no, there's a point. There was a point the whole time. And then she turns into a swan kind of on stage and also literally. But, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, okay. Mirrors. We're going to talk about mirrors next. Well, you
0: pointed out that if, if she's happy with it, why is it right. scary?
2: I think it's scary is it? because she's happy is. with it. Like, that's not an okay there thing it to be is. good at. Yeah. Or good about. That's
0: like when Arya, when Arya is like, I'm great at killing people, I'm a faceless man now. And you're like, dude well, you're supposed to be Arya Stark.
2: Right. I that's not her. your job. She's that's not a she's supposed to be <laughs>
0: Oh no! <laughs> Junior lady of Winterfell, stop murdering! Like, that, is that where we are? <laughs> is that where we are
2: with Nina? Basically. I think so. Or that's where I'm at with it. Because it's,
0: yeah. Like, you shouldn't be okay with this. Like, I'm
2: so happy for you and also so upset. Yeah, and in regards to the the transformation and the mirrors, right? Because it's very similar. Like, it's part of her that's yeah. folding in on itself. It's not a new person that she's adopting or, like, an evil twin. It's like she's almost separating to become these two, pe- these two, like, identities that can work together when you really don't need it to be separate. You need it to be cohesive in order to be a whole human. So that's scary. And then also... Uh, in the in the very beginning, um, Toma tells her the only person standing in your way is you. Yeah. Which uh, adds into the doppelganger.
0: But doesn't he say it? Too? He says it later. Again, I think. He says it after she's been, de- yes, after she's been yeah. developing, after things have been mm-hmm. changing. He says it, yes, he says it during the show, doesn't
1: it's he? It's as she's getting ready for, like, the second act of the show when she's getting yes. ready to go out for the Black
0: Swan performance.
2: Yeah. Um also she has this she's really firm
0: and intense with him. Yeah.
2: yeah. And um at the beginning she talks about this girl just barged in. It was like that's you. You barged in on you. That's what's happening. Yeah. So that's yeah, freaky to me too.
0: Yeah, like if there is no Lily, not really. Right. Or if maybe there's a like a physical person that exists but doesn't
2: embody Do these things, Lily, yes. right?
0: Like she's projecting Lily onto her, then um yeah, then that interruption is really fascinating. Yeah. Because that if that person just, like, pops up, and it's not someone that she knows, not someone that should hypothetically matter to her at all, then she just threw all of her right. self-consciousness or anxiety onto it. So uh, symbolism of mirrors in terms of transformation... Psychology, symbolism, mirrors in general. Mirrors were used really beautifully
1: in this, and I didn't really notice it until the second time around, and I was more so looking for them. But there is no shot without a reflective surface
2: in this movie.
1: And you kind of think of mirrors as, you know, showing another side to something. But we see it especially when she's getting fitted for her costume, is that depending on how many mirrors are positioned near other mirrors, it's infinite reflections. It's not just this mirror shows... One other side so it's not just two it depends on how many are there it could be infinite so we really kind of see that, that there is no limit to what nina is could possibly project or hallucinate and it shows uh lily and nina's first meeting i think when, you, when she walks in you don't see nina see lily straight on she sees her reflection first yeah so i thought that was really pretty the way that Mark. was done
0: the reflection definitely feeds the idea that all of these other characters... Yeah, are reflections are just, of herself. Yeah, like extensions. Of her mind, of her... Yeah, it's projections, mm-hmm. things that she needs to work
1: Yeah, through. Yeah, yeah but we were watching, it and I was talking to Andrew with him. I was just like, not one scene is without some kind of reflective surface, whether it be the way the camera with the ring light is just perfectly reflecting in her eyes, and we can see the audience in her eyes, or the scene where she's in the bathtub and the water reflects perfectly all the way up, but there's no scene without a reflective surface, yeah. whether it's a mirror or like some, just something shiny enough and big enough that we do get to see another perspective, which is really neatly done.
2: Um, one of the other production, uh, details that I noticed that I really liked is that, uh, they modified some of Tchaikovsky's original Swan Lake So that you, if you know the ballet, you recognize what's supposed to happen plot-wise next. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, uh, Nina's ringtone, right, is when all of the swans Mm -hmm. are on stage. I think, after after the, I can't remember, third act, I think. Oh, the
1: song is the swan dance, but yeah.
2: um, And then whenever she and uh, Lily are making out, it's the prologue when she turns into a swan in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's the
0: precipitating event. It's not when she has sex with a man, it's when she, or sexual events with a man, it's when she has a sexual with event with a projection of herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There yes. we
2: go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and, and that's Which is not the, the masturbation the...
0: scene.
1: Which is what? I was going to say, but the sexual projection or the sexual moment with herself was not the masturbation scene. No,
2: right. Just it's just another entity that, has, that she has divided herself into. Yes. Um... Uh, but there's several cues where I was like, Oh, this is the part when this is supposed to happen. Um, but the the ending, uh, when she does jump off and like in Swan Lake she's supposed to kill herself and then she actually kills herself, that's consistent with the ending music as well. Yes. Which is
0: also a lot of the um extraneous music is yeah. the actual Tchaikovsky reversed and distorted. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: He pulled a he pulled a John Lennon, (laughs) in the song because with it, so he did. He had Yoko play a Moonlight Sonata backwards. That's what inspired him with the music here. I
2: Know
1: that because of a Beatles
2: song. Mm -hmm. Um, Cool. Do you have? Do y'all have others? I I feel like we kind of touched on the doppelgängers thing. Yeah, we did the doppelgängers. I think so. Um, But is there anything else that we're missing that we want to talk about about Black Swan?
0: I mean. I feel like we could do this for hours.
2: Oh yeah, for sure.
0: So let's like call the game now. Okay. <laughs> let's do it before we get too involved because I
1: feel like if right. we bring up anything else we're gonna be here for another hour. I easily I which yeah, I'm enjoying. True.
0: And I hope that maybe um next week we can have a great drunk chat about this just as friends.
1: No, we're gonna be busy doing
0: a mini so
2: and then after don't that. you worry. Yeah. Um, do we have a closing <laughs> question or do we just want to say, here's what we're doing next time?
0: Oh, no time for a closing question, gang. Um, we just love ballet. We have plenty of personal so, like, information we're about so us. so into tight that we didn't have time for it <laughs> this time around. Um, so if you like your Capizios, holler.
2: So uh, next time we're going to do the movie Thoroughbreds, which came out this year, directed and written by Corey Finley. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, I definitely recommend it. They they marketed it as a cross between Heathers and American Psycho. It's a great back-to-school, Ooh. coming-of-age horror film.
1: Uh, I'm excited to watch it. I haven't seen it yet. I love yeah. all of that.
2: I think you guys are really going to like it. It is, it is a horror movie, but it's not quite as horrific as some of the ones that we've picked. So um, watch that and then come back. And listen to us talk about it. Or if you have stuff that you want us to talk about, uh, let us know. Because yeah, we want that. We love listener feedback. So please.
0: Some of us, some of us have never heard of a horror movie before in our lives. <laughs> and could that someone
2: guidance. is Mary. Yeah. Um uh, so we're also going to have a mini episode because Mary will be in Atlanta next week with us. So we're all going to be in the okay. same room giggling and talking over each other and getting progressively drunk and off topic as usual. Like we do like normally we do. in these podcasts. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited about that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, tell two of your friends. That would be a great thirty. Tell birthday. three of That's your friends. For me. Tell 30 of your friends. No, no. I just no, no. just
0: tell, tell two friends who are the right friends.
2: Yes. That's the key.
1: And you should definitely go leave us an iTunes, a review on iTunes because there'll be special incentive coming to you soon. Tricks, treats,
0: prizes. Halloween's coming. It's fine.
2: <laughs> we love y'all. Yay. Bye. Bye. bye.
0: <music> Good night.